If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. This is an NBC News Radio special report. The Russian invasion of Ukraine. An existential threat to Russia could cause it to use nuclear weapons. That's what a chief spokesperson for President Vladimir Putin told CNN. Meantime, Russia is running into problems as its invasion goes on. The Pentagon press secretary says there are indications the Ukrainians are taking more of an offensive approach as they try to repel Russian forces. We have seen indications that uh, the Ukrainians are going a bit more on the offense now. They have been defending uh, very smartly, uh, very nimbly, very creatively in places that they believe are the right places to defend. Meantime, John Kirby said thousands of U.S. troops remain in Poland conducting training exercises. There isn't much hope right now for a ceasefire. That's according to French officials who say President Emmanuel Macron spoke with the leaders of Ukraine and Russia. I'm Brian Shook. This segment sponsored by the generous support of the Dream Team. Looking for the keys to something bigger and better? Downsizing or relocating to the perfect spot? Oscar Ramirez from Century 21 Lois Lauer Real Estate and Matt Flores from Secure Choice Lending are here to help you sell or buy with their trusted and experienced knowledge and advice. People are calling Oscar and Matt at 951-751-3249. That's 951-751-3249. Real estate and loan advisors Oscar and Matt can give you a no-cost consultation. You don't have to buy anything. Matt and Oscar can help you figure your way through the complicated real estate market. Email Oscar at LoisLauer.com or on Instagram at Oscar Ramirez Garcia and Matt Flores at SecureChoiceLending.com. Don't let today's real estate pitfalls stop you from dreaming. Make your new home dreams come true. DRE number 0207-0344. Se habla español. Yardhouse Restaurant of Temecula takes this special time to salute the Temecula men and women in uniform who've answered the call for our freedoms. Let's give them the hero's welcome they deserve as they have fought hard to restore peace around the world. American troops are our angels of protection, so stand up and salute them proudly. That's from Yardhouse Restaurant in Temecula, where they say service isn't just a courtesy, it's a commitment. 
Call 951-296-3116 for Yard House Restaurant of Temecula at 40770 Winchester Road in Temecula. You may think every weather app is the same until you see WeatherBug over-deliver on so many layers. With more free map layers than any other weather app, WeatherBug warns you the moment lightning strikes near you, prepares you for your commute with road conditions, routes, and even cameras. With everything from pollen and air quality to severe storm risks, radar, and satellite coverage, WeatherBug prepares you for the unpredictable. Download the WeatherBug app, trusted by over 10 million users, today for free. San Bernardino is my hometown. I live here, work here, and raised my children here. I, like so many others, am rolling up my sleeves to make San Bernardino the best it can be. Won't you join us? Welcome to the Uplift San Bernardino Radio Show. I'm Erin Brinker. Good evening, everyone. So glad to have you with me. As it said in the intro, I am Erin Brinker, and this is the Uplift San Bernardino Radio Show, where we talk about everything that impacts the city of San Bernardino and the Inland Empire as a whole. Uh, We're doing hard work here and we being that collective that's not just obviously not just me there's a whole lot of people doing a whole lot of work to really make San Bernardino what we want and the Inland Empire is into the powerhouse that it is becoming. You know, there's four and a half million people who live in the Inland Empire that is both San Bernardino and Riverside counties and you know we are a powerhouse in our own right. People want to move here. People are moving here. And San Bernardino is in the middle of a renaissance. If you're looking, now real estate is expensive everywhere, but if you're looking at getting in on the ground floor at a place that's going to take off, San Bernardino is that place. Just saying. So there's an important event happening tonight, the Vermont Neighborhood Association. And I've talked about neighborhood associations before on the air. Um, San Bernardino has neighborhood associations in, in most of their neighborhoods. I am in the South Point Neighborhood Association, and there's another one that's in the north end called Vermont. and there's lots of them in between. Vermont is hosting a mayor's candidate forum tonight. And if you miss it, um, then you they'll be on in the Neighborhood Association uh, Council's Facebook page. They're going to be doing Facebook Live, which means it'll be archived when it's over on Facebook. Um, and so uh, all the candidates, I, from what I understand, all but two of the candidates are going to be there. Um, Gabriel Jaramillo is not going to be attending and the mayor, John Valdivia, is not going to be attending, but the others will be. So Treasure Ortiz and Helen Tran, um, Henry Nickel, Jim Penman, um, I think there's one more. Oh, Mohammed, I've forgotten his last name. Oh, that's terrible. I forgot his last name. But uh, he will be there as well. And so you'll be able to, you know, there's they put some questions, um, put together some questions, got some community feedback already. And there's there's questions that are come coming from the moderator. Um, but they'll also be taking questions from the committee. And I think you have or from the attendees. And I think you have to put that those questions in in advance. So if you get there, they'll give you cards that you can fill out kind of like they do for. Uh, city council meetings or school board meetings or that sort of thing. That's my understanding Um, because they don't want it to become a free-for-all. They want to get questions answered. Um, And I submitted a question and my question was, what's going on with that big cement pile? I talked about that last week. Uh, So they're, you know, wanting to know why this cement pile is is still up there. Um, 
and uh, making it difficult for people who are downwind, which would be everyone in the city, downwind to breathe because they're breathing that toxic cement. And so, um, you know, I want to know what's happening. And I say it's toxic, not because I'm just making that up, but it was they're the remnants of a fire of a warehouse that was filled with um, all kinds of, well, kind of bad stuff lithium batteries and other toxic things that well, they're toxic when they burn. Um, and, and so I want to know, why is it still up there? What are they going to do about it? I don't want that stuff in the air. I don't want that stuff in the groundwater. Um, and, you know, why are they dragging their feet? The fire was in 2020. And it's 2022 last I checked, and that pile is still there. So I want it gone. And I know I am not the only one. Um, so that is tonight. It's going to be at the... Um, Western Regional Little League Headquarters, which if you get off at Palm and Kentonville off the 215 freeway, that's like at the top of the 215 freeway, um, uh, as you start entering into the Cajon Pass, um, you get off at Palm and Kendall, and that the very first street where you can make a left, once you go north on the freeway, so you get off the freeway, you um, you go north, which for most of San Bernardino, you make a right, and that very first light, which is right there, you make a left there and follow it around, and you will end up at the Western Regional um, Little League Center. I think there's one more right that you have to make, but you can Google or Google map Western Regional, Regional Little League headquarters. It starts at 630. I would get there early so you can get a good seat. Um, and again, if you can't, uh, then you can watch it on um, and the Neighborhood Association Council, the NAC, on their Facebook page. And you can you know go on Facebook and search that. Um, it's really important stuff. You know, we have in June, there will be a um, an election uh, then and it's 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 the primary election, right? But if anybody who gets over fifty percent, then they're done. If anybody gets over fifty percent of the vote, then then they don't have to go on to a runoff. If what's more likely to happen, given the number of people who are running, is that two the two top vote getters will then face each other in a runoff in November. So the June election becomes really really important. I'm just going to stress that you want to be involved. This is our city, folks. This is where we live. We want to make sure that the right people are uh, involved. And so I have, we have, we're putting a call out there to all the people who are running. Uh, we've already interviewed Treasure Ortiz. We've interviewed Helen Tran. If you are running for mayor in the city of San Bernardino, please contact me and I will make sure that uh, that you get some time on the air with us. My email address is aaron.brinker at makinghope.org. Another th great thing that's happening in our area is the Uplift San Bernardino SBCUSD for San Bernardino City Unified School District Summer Work and Job Fair. So we did this last year. It was a virtual job fair. Um, we did it in, in April and October. And those are going to be the two times a year when we when we do this work. Um, and uh, it's a virtual event to connect promising candidates from the next generation of San Bernardino's workforce with local employers who need to fill entry level and career building jobs. Work eligible students and recent graduates of the San Bernardino City Unified School District will visit virtual booths established by employers. Employers will be able to post jobs, link to online job application systems, and speak with candidates on the spot uh, via Booth Central's conveniently embedded video conferencing and chat function. So it really is designed to do like a full job fair, but it's online. There's been a lot, of, I've seen a lot of platforms where they try to do this well. Booth Central is really phenomenal for the way they do this. Um, 
Of course, Uplift San Bernardino is building a generation of successful adults who are committed to growing roots in San Bernardino. You can visit upliftsb.org for for more information about Uplift. Um, The SBCUSD is partnering with Uplift San Bernardino to produce this job fair, which is intended only to provide information about local careers and job opportunities. Booth Central requires all minors to obtain permission from a parent or guardian to participate in the event. Nothing shared in the event or any information shared in connection with it is intended to create agency relationships for employers who participate. Any employment relationship for a minor following this event is an independent choice of the parties directly involved, which by law will require a work permit that can be obtained through the San Bernardino City Unified School District College and Career Office. And there's information on the on the Booth Central website. They're looking for employers still. So um, so the, we've had in the various events that we've had, we've had hotels and restaurants, we've had um, technology companies and pharmacy companies. So, you know, uh, uh, anything that you can imagine, it runs the spectrum. And the people who've attended are in high school or, or um, are a graduate of the SBCUSD. They're looking for entry level positions. Um, some of them are under 18. Some of them are over 18. So if you are, you know, like Fiesta Village, we're hoping is going to be there, for example. And and others and other companies that like that. So they take people from all ages. This is April 14th. It starts at 530 p.m. Um, and uh, it is the uh, the website is now. Are you ready for this? I'm going to say it slow. It's it's a bitly URL. So HTTPS colon slash slash B-I-T dot L-Y slash uplift sb job fair 2022 okay so that's a mouthful right so we're going to put post that on our facebook page it's going to be posted on our facebook page or you can google it and find it as well for more information you can go to you can email karen.suarez at makinghope.org that's karen.suarez s is in sam you are sorry u-a-r-e-z Karen.suarez at makinghope.org. It's really great. So if you're looking for a summer job, this is a great place to connect and you can interview on the spot. You can share your resume on the spot. You can hear, you know, interviews are, are as much for you to check out a company as for a company to check you out. And if you're a business owner, it's like $25 to participate. Seriously, that's it. And and basically all of that goes to uh, goes to the platform. So the Making Hope Happen Foundation doesn't take any cut of that at all. Um, it just covers your your uh, the platform fees. And it's a great platform. So this is, again, on uh, April 14th, 2022, starting at 530. And it, it's live, a virtual event. And it's a lot of fun. We have music playing. And, you know, you can do your booth up. And it's just, uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, the um, Uplift San Bernardino and San Bernardino City Unified School District's summer work and job fair. So does anybody listening have young children? Now, I I have talked about some of the work that we do at the Making Hope Happen Foundation, uh, specifically for families with young children. I want to let you know that there is a parenting class coming up, and um, it is uh, for families with children ages 0 to 5 in the San Bernardino City Unified School District. This is a science of parenting class. It is taught by master's level parent educators from Cal State San Bernardino. And it's all about brain development, positive child guidance, um, really developing positive 
nurturing, sensitively attuned relationships with your little one to help them have the best start they possibly can. For more information, you can go to infanttoddlersuccess.org. That's infanttoddlersuccess.org. Get info, sign up. Um, and we also have all kinds of other things going on. We have a Thursday mornings, we're out at Lionel E. Hudson Park doing exercise. And uh, you know that um, parental stress or parent I'm saying that wrong. Parental stress is the number one risk factor for child abuse. Now, nobody sets out to be an abuser, but we anybody can get frustrated. I have two grown children and, you know, I will say I was never a better parent than before I had kids, meaning I thought I knew it all until I had kids and then I didn't. And of course I got frustrated, just like everybody does. But reducing that parent stress through exercise and connection to others and building a warm community around yourself can make the difference between a good choice and a bad choice. And so come on out. It's fun. And we have a certified personal trainer who is out there with us. Her name is Melanie Moore. And uh, it's at Lionel E. Hudson Park, which is on the north end in the 92407 area code, not too far from Cal State San Bernardino. It's at 9 a.m. We have bagels and coffee from Panera. It should be a lot of fun. Just we even have a yoga mat for you. So yeah, join us. For more information, go to infanttoddlersuccess.org. Up next is an interview with Helen Tran. She's running for mayor in the city of San Bernardino, and she sat down with me to talk about her background, her story, why she's running for mayor, and what she hopes to accomplish. Following that interview, I have an, uh, an older interview from back from 2017 when I was doing my daily radio show. This is with Erica Christakis. She's an expert in early childhood development, and she wrote a book called The Importance of Being Little. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Little kids, man, what they go through, what they see, what they feel, et cetera, et cetera, really impacts the rest of their lives and really impacts the everything around them, their community in which they live, their families, everything. So stay tuned. So I am honored and thrilled to be sitting with Helen Tran. She is a candidate for mayor in the city of San Bernardino. She is a, an, an HR director in, I'm going to guess, it's see if I can remember, the city of West Covina. Is that correct? Ah, see, I remembered. And just an active member of the community here in San Bernardino. So Helen Tran, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me here. So before we got on the air, I want to bring this bring this conversation into like the conversation we had before into uh, what we're talking about now. You volunteered at a career fair at your child's elementary school. Talk about that. 
Well, it's um, a career day, and I was invited to speak as uh, one of the panelists um, to really talk about what I do in my career, what got me there, my education, what inspired me, what, you know, give some tips and advice, right, for these uh, kids who are just wanting to know, hey, what's HR risk management director? And then we also have our fire police there. So it's really cool to see their faces light up when they're uh, with their curious minds. And I'm sure that little ones, like, I think I was, I'm going to be really honest here. I think I was in college the first time I heard the term HR. So, (laughs) because, you know, you don't even, you don't think about it. Same here. I didn't even know HR existed. I didn't even know what HR was until I fell into HR by accident, not to tell you the truth. And uh, I remember last year, because I do this career day uh, for my kids' school every year. And um, so since the pandemic, we do it virtually. And I remember last year, I would ask, do you know what human resources is? And one one student said, it's medical related. I'm like, Hmm, oh, because the human word, huh? That's a, that's a good guess. That's a good guess, but not quite. <laughs> not quite. Right. Well, that's wonderful. So why are you running for mayor? Oh, uh, the number one question. Why are you running for mayor, Helen Tran? Well, I'm running because ultimately I, re- I care deeply about our city. Um, I grew up in the city uh, since six years old. My parents came here, you know, understanding humble beginnings um, and making, uh, you know, our day-to-day lives. And um, I ended up, uh, you know, when I look back at my 20 years of my life, I feel like my experience has prepared me to do what I'm doing, step into arena to run for office. I say that because um, growing up, my parents always instilled, hey, Helen always, and, and my siblings always give back, always help others because my parents and I, are, are, uh, our whole family is very extremely grateful to be in this country. Um, and so if we can give back and help um, others is a way for us to pay our debt, right? And so, um, so in high school, I was a senior in high school, uh, very heavily involved in Key Club, peer leadership. And uh, we were uh, going to volunteer on a campaign in 1999 it was to be civically engaged and understand what that means. And I don't had no clue what that meant. And we walked into a campaign office. It was uh, for a congressional campaign for Joe Baku Sr. In that, when I walked into the office, I met my mentors. When I really say mentor, they are like my second family because I didn't know what life is all about other than our family, right? Or what's there or what mentors mean. So they saw something in me because when I was volunteering as a canvasser or a phone maker, they saw, wow, some, this young lady is very eager and she knows how she's doing it. She's very impactful out there. Let's see if we, if we could offer her as a paid canvasser. To me, my eyes lit up like, oh, money. You're going to pay me? That's great. Yeah, right? That's huge. Because I'm thinking my parents like work so hard, right? And so I'm thinking any money can help my family. I'm all about. And um, I tell you, they're the ones who pushed me to say, Helen, are you uh, are you planning to go to college? You're going to college? I'm like, what? <laughs> and I, because, you know, when I go, when I go home, where we go home, we go home and sew clothes to help my, that's to get uh, help, uh, that's income for my family. And so um, having them to push me, hey, we're gonna apply, uh, we're gonna help you apply for for college right now, okay? Like, really? So they really encouraged me to go to college and they also encouraged me to uh, leave outside the bubble of discomfort, right? So I ended up going to uh, UC Santa Cruz and um, I also continued working for them and these mentors are political consultants 
and I continued to work for them throughout my uh, college years into my post-college. So the, I, when I say earlier, I, the last 20 years of my life, we have prepared this, that political exposure, working on campaigns, countless campaigns, whether it's candidate-based or issue-based throughout California in some out-of-state, I never thought I was going to run for office. I was helping community members to or communities to elect good people, good uh, uh, the best candidates, or address an issue. But I got to tell you, man, like when I, when I decided, I'm like, help. They're like, all right, let's go. And <laughs> and uh, um, and then you know, but I decided to when I when I did that for a while post college, I decided to not you know I, I want to shift my pathway. Came back home in end of 2005, beginning 2006. And I started looking for another job. And I tell you, if you don't know where to go, looking for a job is not easy. So I, it, it, yeah, it's hard. And so uh, unless you have connections, people know where to go. I ended up going to a temp, or a temp agency, Apple One, off of hospitality. And I walked in there because I kind of like, okay, it's hard to find a job. Let me just go to the temp agency. I need jobs. I can help my family and so forth. Um, they gave me a temporary assignment as the senior secretary to the HR director in the city hall of San Bernardino. Oh, wow. That began my government experience. So I'm telling you, that was an accident too. When I say human resources, wow. I didn't know what human resources was all about until I walked in. I was assigned that assignment and I thought, wow, I love this department. You're helping people. You're solving problems. You're it's, it's, uh, uh, people, people engagement. I love that. Um, and, uh, you know, of course my director at that time saw me and said, you're not no secretary. You just really are so eager to learn. I'm a, I'm a learner and I'm always curious. And, and, and I think that's what really got me to be where I'm at today. And fast forward 10 years with that organization, having seen a lot with that organization, which I can go more, uh, deeply. Um, I became the youngest director there after 10 years. Wow. Wow. I know a lot, huh? <laughs> wow, no, that's good. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting when, and that was one of the messages of at um, a career uh, career day that I participated in uh, at another um, San Bernardino City Unified School or Beta Elementary, and and our the keynote speaker there was Eddie Garcia, who is the um, CEO of Thinkwise Credit Union, and he said, you know, your your career will take you in lots of different directions, Ooh. and you know, you just. And then that's okay. There's that's there's nothing wrong with that. And that was totally my experience as well. Hundred percent. And I gotta tell you, my passion as a little girl, I wanted to be a third grade teacher, and I I, I swore to it that was what I wanted to be because I even played uh, school with my siblings, and I'm the teacher taking a role, and my <laughs> my siblings are the students, and. And I just loved it because I had teachers who were so impactful that made me thought, I want to be a teacher just like her. Or sure. Her. And um, of course, again, life, right? Takes you through different paths and experiences and journeys and, and uh, you land where you're meant to land. And that's where I truly believe um, uh, you have a purpose. Everyone has a purpose in life and where, it, where life takes you uh, to reach that purpose. That's really what, the, when I reflect back on my 20 years of my life um, as of today, it prepared me for why. I'm doing what I'm doing. So, um, so your parents were immigrants. Yes. And so, you know, I am, I, the immigrant experience is so common in San Bernardino, you know, 51% of the San, San Bernardino residents speak a language other than English in the home. Now for most of them, it's Spanish, but you know, it gives you a perspective um, that that the people who are born and raised in, you know, or not from immigrant parents um, here in the United States, a perspective and a, and a, frankly, a work ethic that's really different. And can you kind of talk about that a little bit? 
Absolutely. And when I say humble beginnings, truly humble beginnings. Um, my parents came here as refugee immigrants and and didn't have anything, no one to go to. We were they left our country by foot from South Vietnam through Cambodia to Thailand. Oh and wow! I, and I always tell people that before I go into who I am, I got to tell you about my parents because when they left, they left because they had no choice. They had to leave because it was life threatening. And when they left, what was amazing uh, I had to share is that when my parents left, they decided to go two different pathways, which I'm thinking, mom, dad, why did you go split? Are you nuts? Because very dangerous pathways too. My mom was pregnant with my sister who was alive and well, thank goodness. Um, my mom may, went down a, a path on her own. My dad went a different path, which is very dangerous. His was more dangerous than my mom. She made it safe to Thailand camp and then W9 camp. My dad, on the other hand, he got imprisoned by the Khmer Rouge in the um, in the jungles, and he was supposed to die. He dug his own grave blindfolded, and the and all of a sudden, it's just like a movie. A Red Cross team came in to that camp and saved him and others, um, and that's where he made it to the Thailand camp a month later. If they never united, I would not be here talking to you. Wow. I, I say that because it's just my mom has been told, hey, your husband's dead. Come with me. Your husband's dead. Come with me. She said, no, he's alive. I'm going to wait for him. And so we uh, they were then um, offered to be sponsored to either San Diego or Tennessee. Thank goodness, San Diego. That's where I was born. Um, and uh, we were encouraged um, to move to San Bernardino because we were not in a very safe area of uh, alcohol. Now it's probably different, developed and safe. But a family friend of ours said that, you know, you, you and your family need to move away from this unsafe area. And San Dino is, is a great place to go. That began our life in 1988. Um, and again, humble beginnings, you know, my parents worked really hard to provide for us. We would struggle. We uh, relied on government assistance. I remember my siblings and I would wait for the wind at the window, looking out the window, look at the for the mailman to come because the, that that food stamp or the first the government check would come in and gave us an opportunity to go to the State of Brothers and fill up the cart with all these snacks once a month, and it was like the best thing ever. But we were happy, you know, because it was family, love, and we had each other and. That's what mattered, but you know we struggled. Um, you know we had a, a little sweatshop in our own home where I learned how to sew in second grade. It was me, my sister, my mom, my dad. It's like a little sewing uh, uh, a, a shop, little shop in the kitchen, and uh, you know it, it was it was eye opening because understanding as immigrants, having to really, you know, not knowing what resources, I don't even know how my parents navigated. Like like I tell them, my goodness, mom, dad, thank you for your grit, your hard work, and always a family values, and always loving us and encouraging us to navigate the complexities of life and people. Cause that's my dad always talking to Helen. People are not always going to be kind, but you have to also continue to move forward and, 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 and stay focused because it, they may have a bad day or you're meant to see that and learn from it, what have you. Um, and, I've learned so much. And I think that's where my strength is. It's like, you know, really embracing people for who they are, but learning how to, you know, let's get through these conflicts and issues and how to move forward. I, I am in awe. Uh, he survived <laughs> the Khmer Rouge. I'm still processing Ooh. that. I mean, the Lord was smiling on him that day. Holy yes. cow. Yes. So, so that is what a wonderful story. I love that, that you, um, uh, tell that story with such passion because that's part of you. Your parents' story is your story. 
Um, so let's fast forward a little bit. And we've seen a lot of Chamardino's changed a lot since 1988 um, for a lot of different reasons. The closure of the closure of the base, uh, the closure, closure of the steel mill and all these things, the movement, you know, the changing of the, you know, the 15 punching through and making the 215 less traveled. And, you know, people talk a lot about, oh, we need to be an all-American city like back in the 70s, except that we're not that city anymore. And I want, you know, my vision, uh, and I promise you I'm getting to a question. My vision is a robust, vibrant San Bernardino that embraces the people who are here now. And so what are, what are your visions? What, what do you envision for, how do you envision making that happen? Oh, the vision for San Bernardino, it's so beautiful. And it's just waiting for the right leadership. I tell people like San Bernardino is a sleeping giant. It is. It's waiting for that right leadership to just open up, wake up the sleeping giant. And we are that city. We are going to be because of where we're at, where we sit, our location, our infrastructure, our, you know, uh, the, I mean, look at the mountains. Um, we have the water, we have the rails, the airports, we have the freeways. I mean, just everything. It's just unbelievable. And I know, you know, for myself, it's like, oh my goodness this is sleeping giant it just needs to be waking up so what's going on here it's leadership so when i look back when i step back i'm like okay so what's really the issue here when i and when i reach out to folks and say hey what's going on with san Bernardino? why aren't we whereas you guys are all thriving can you tell me more because i'm trying to understand from someone who wants to lead and help lead the city forward and most of the time the response is helen we just want someone to work with brain fog insomnia moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We want someone who's going to be a partner with us and who's willing to work with all of us, not just pick and choose who you want to work with. And then I said, bingo, that's it. So I knew it was going to be a lot of work when I decided to run. And I, I began this journey over a year now because I opened my committee January of 2021. And I started hitting the ground running. I reached out to all family, friends. I, this is what I'm doing. 
we get behind me. And of course, they're like, wow, Helen, your ambition, your drive. All right, let's get behind you. So I had to prove myself, right? And I knew that had to. Ha- it's the work that you have to do. So I really um, shattered expect, uh, expectation when I then started raising money. I started uh, getting support and endorsements of, of a lot of uh, credible uh, leaders in the, in the community. And it was that piece that I realized that if we all come together and work together to see the city thrive, it can happen quick. It will not take years and years and years because San Bernardino is just sitting for just someone to just do the work, right? right? With the right now, team. Yes. Now there are groups out there who are actively working. You know, I think of Uplift San mm-hmm. Bernardino and some of the um, regional IEGO and um, Growing Inland Achievement and there's uh, Just San Bernardino. Um, I'm not sure if you've met with all of those various collective action um, initiatives. Uh, there's There are people here, oh, and Blocks of Care, which is an arts-driven initiative. Um, that people here that are really working, grassroots, really working to um, put point San Bernardino in the right direction and move it forward. So making goals, reaching those goals, making new goals. And um, City Hall has been on board to some extent. Um, but but um, you know, I I I hope that when you that the, all of these groups and all of the, the the work that's already being done is part of your vision. Absolutely why we create something when it's already in existence. And I, I think that, that's the thing. It's like acknowledging who's already there in the community, doing the work and bringing everyone to the table mm-hmm. and making sure that everyone collectively work together towards the common goal, which we all want to be thriving and safe and healthy, all of that, because we all want that. And because I asked a lot of folks, even faith-based organizations, just reaching out to folks who I've seen that have been very active, like, hey, have you been invited to the table to really kind of gauge and, you know, work with uh, the department, city manager, police, and all of this? He said, no, not necessarily. I'm like, well, sounds like we, that's really what we have to do, you know, once you get in. And it's really setting aside egos. It's setting aside, you know, who uh, can grow stronger. And I, and I sometimes I describe to folks that I, I feel like we're living through Games of Throne Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which kingdom will go down and who are going to go after? And it does not have to be that way. No, it doesn't. You know, we, it's because it's a choice, right? If you choose to work towards the common goal, it will make it so easy for us to move things forward quickly and non-controversial, not in the adversarial type of environment or situation, it's not necessary. So I tell folks, it's quite simple. (laughs) It just takes someone who can unify that. And I believe that's what I can do to really just bring people together and say, hey, look, I hear you have a a stake in this and and would love to invite you to the table. I, I wanna make sure that everyone who has a stake in to move the city forward has a seat at the table, simple. Indeed. So, um, uh, one of the there's some there's a lot of challenges in the city and and in this state is not unique to San Bernardino. Uh, the greatest one I think that's in people on people's minds is homelessness, Ooh. and you know the this sea of humanity that is that is living in our parks and living in you know washes and behind buildings or just on the street. Um, you know what is what is your what are your thoughts about how to alleviate that problem and frankly give our park get our parks back give it back to the residents who live around those parks 
Absolutely. That is the number one issue, by the way. Everyone I've uh, spoken to, um, you know, residents, businesses, even just organizations or fellow, you know, a- uh, agencies, nearby neighbors and so forth, homelessness, right? It may not be the, in the level of skid row or what have you, but again, it's something that's growing and, and, and it's obvious. And we actually have the highest number of homelessness um, in San Bernardino County. So the, our city alone has the highest number. Um, we need to do better to work and start working on it and create policies and do the work, not talk. And this is where something that, you know, be, oh yeah, we want to address, then do something. we got to do something. Right. Don't take action. There are lots of funding and resources. We have to go after them. I mean, uh, the governor has put billions and billions of dollars to address homelessness. We just need to go grab it and capture it and start doing the work. That. I, I agree with you, and I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. Um, one of the challenges in City Hall is they don't have the staffing because there's been a revolving door, especially among directors. So, you know, it's difficult to tackle any problem, homelessness or otherwise, if you don't have people who know, you know, if everybody's always behind the learning curve, then you nothing will ever right. get done. Again, so that's where, if that is the, in which it is absolutely the issue, is not having the infrastructure foundation of city government working, right? to really deliver these services. So that is the focus first. We need to address that. Make sure you have the staffing levels and, and the resources to you know, carry this, this uh, work out. And then you partner, you have to, it's a regional issue, not just a city. We should not be pushing issues to other neighboring cities because then you'll never solve any problems because everything that we have to do has to be a regional effort. And so we are in the county's pocket. I know Supervisor Joe Baca is doing a lot of great work right now trying to address homelessness. I just met him not too long ago and he was just telling me, Helen, where I, you know, I'm already putting beds in, in this community, this community. And um, I know Pacific Village. Have you heard of Pacific Village? I haven't. City. And there's going to be upwards of 50 beds that he's working on. Is where is this going Arden? to be? Arden and uh, Arden and uh, gosh, I forgot the cross street, but um it's a Pacific Village. Oh, Pacific Village at Arden and Pacific. Wow! And that's up to fifty beds. I didn't know that until I'm like, whoa, supervisor, thank you. And then and I must go up to sixteen beds and Bloomington up to hundred beds and Riyadh. I mean, so you we have to do more as leaders to reach out what's already there or what's being worked on and how do we partner with that, right? Because that impacts us, right? And, and so, it helps you leverage dollars that are that are being allocated to various people, so that you're not you're not you're not wasting. By leveraging funding from lots of different sources, you can impact more people in a greater area. Bingo. And when I inquired to our supervisor, I said, supervisor, what are we not doing? And he said, you guys just need to, to start make decisions. You need to start creating policies and start doing the work to address the homeless, not just talk. I know council member uh, Damon Alexander has, has done an aggressive job to really address it. So thank you, council member. And, but it can't be just him. It has to be a collective body to address it, to really create that movement to address um, homelessness. So it's it's there, it's just, we just gotta do the work. So talk to me a little bit about the city's charter because one of the things that happened with our charter committee, gosh, was this 2015, 16, I don't remember exactly when this passed. We went from a strong mayor um, form of government to a, um, a council manager form of government. And the mayor really is an ambassador, you know, being in the community and really selling San Bernardino to the rest of the world, right? And 
that sort of thing. So how do you see yourself? Because there, there is a, a vocal group out there who wants to change the charter back. And I don't know that that's necessarily as a voter. I'm not sure. I want to serve the community the best possible way. But how do you see that being done? So the charter, you're absolutely right. The charter, there was a charter reform and it was adopt, adopted by the voters um, in 2016. And so if you think about that time frame to today, there was not a real opportunity to really apply the charter the way it should be, right? When you had to turn a, a change of, of mayors in what, 2018? Mm -hmm. And then, um, and that was right after that, we got out of bankruptcy officially 2017. So if you think about what has transpired, has the new charter been, been, been truly applied the way it should be with the right leadership? No. I, I don't think so. Well, and the current mayor is, is very opposed to that charter change. Right. So you never really gave the new charter an opportunity to be pro you know, the way it should be. So I think that because of the current leadership, um, you know, not abiding the new charter and going against it, it never gave the community an opportunity to really, is it really working? Right. Is it really applied the way it should be applied? And I think that's, that's where the unfortunate is, right? Because now it's all towards the current uh, mayor uh, as, you know, going against everything that he's doing and it becomes personal. And so it's like, kind of like, ah, we got to like step back for a moment. Let's not make drastic changes until we really know it's not working with the right leadership. And I think that's where people need to kind of step back a little bit and, and reflect on that. So do you, if you were elected mayor, um, would you, bless you, <laughs> um, uh, thank you for muting while you sneezed. Um, if you were elected mayor, would you respect that charter? Meaning um, realizing that the decision-making power lies with the council and then the implementation lies with the city manager who then runs the government and the mayor becomes, you can certainly advocate for your point of view, but you're not, it doesn't wield the same level of power than, than it did before the charter change. I think it's okay uh, because, you know, the, the council is the body makeup too for policies. And whereas the mayor, you have a mayor who's going to be the unified, trying to make sure everyone's on, you know, focus, right, for the city, but also an ambassador to make sure that we're re the mayor looking out to folks that, hey, come to San Bernardino, look at San Bernardino, help San Bernardino, make sure that we are getting everything possible to make sure that we are thriving and sustaining in the future for our children in the future. So to me, where it's at, it's fine until you really see it's truly not working after having the right leadership in place and say, hey, you know, let's reassess this because right. we may be able to tweak a little more or have another uh, adjustment to the charter. But at this point, I don't, I don't see the uh, the need to make drastic change at this time until you have an elected leader who's truly going to do what's right for the community. Good answer. Good answer. So, um, so what are the next? Um, what's coming up for your campaign? What do you need? How do people find more information out about you? What, you know, how do they get involved? Because the election is the what the second Tuesday in June. It is, but ballots dropped May 9th. So really, truly, we're 12 weeks out from ballots dropping wow. to voters' hands. So we are, you know, um, out every day. So for my campaign, I do have a website, HelenTranformer.com. I also have social media, Facebook, Instagram.
handle is at vote Helen Tran. Please give me a follow. Um, I do have a campaign office off of Hospitality 1906 uh, Commerce Center, Suite uh, 212. Um, I have a team there. Uh, we are there every day. We're right now, we're close uh, Tuesday to my team member break, but once we get closer to election, we'll be there seven days a week. But I tell you, we have a volunteer every single day and it's, it's so nice. We have someone out in this, out canvassing or someone who's phone banking. So we are really trying to uh, build that to outreach to voters to say, hey, it, your vote matters this primary. And it's so, so important for the future of our, our city. Wonderful. And I actually, before I let you go, I've remembered one more question that I wanted to ask you. Um, San Bernardino, well, the Inland Empire, but, but especially San Bernardino um, has become an inland port. Uh, because there was no room to grow in the Long Beach, Los, Los Angeles area. Um, we are the intersection of two interstate um, freeways, and uh, we have the airport and the railroads and everything else. So we are an inland port. There's a, there's a pretty vocal group of people who want to push back on the number of warehouses in the area, feeling that that dooms people to just low-wage jobs. Um, and there's arguments can, that can be made on both sides. Where do you stand on that? To me, any development that comes into a city, if it makes sense and is vetted thoroughly, to me, all of that vetting needs to happen prior to being presented or concerns are addressed prior um, to any decision-making. If the development's gonna, uh, in this case, warehouse, if it benefits the city with good paying jobs and it, and it makes sense because we're a logistic because of moving goods and so forth, because you have an airport rail and, and freeways and so forth, then we need to really be able to convey that to the community. Now, if the community has real concerns about those issues, let's vet it. Let's right. have a task force to vet those things because I always look at issues where let's weigh the pros and cons here. Is it going to help the city or is it going to hurt the city? Right. And I don't like to just make a blanket statement like, hey, let's off with this or off with that. But did we really thoroughly assess it where does it make sense for our city? And so, so do you have, and I'm sorry, I did it again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you have a plan for how community engagement might look when you, because there will be lots of things that come up. They'll talk about air, um, air quality and talk about congestion on the roads, talk about wear and tear on the streets and safety and all the issues that happen with any development. Right. And so, you know, how do you, and how do you propose keeping the community engaged and involved? Well, be ahead of it. We know that, the, you know, we engage with a city manager. A city manager is our expert, um, you know, a staffer who really is managing the city for any future developments. Because if we want to see city, the city developing, thriving, then their city manager is tasked to identify those things for us and loop us in. Hey, mayor, council, we have this coming up. Let's have, you know, let, let, let's discuss this. Let's really make sure that we, any anyone who's impacted by this potential development, are heard and it's it's it there's a forum or there is a a, a meeting to talk about it we got to do more to engage that's not that hard so no. to me it's like if you just ask the right question if you just engage the right timing then it should not cause us to go well into past midnight on a council meeting so <laughs> thank you thank you i'm just gonna applaud <laughs> yeah it's like okay didn't bring my jammies and my fuzzy slippers just you know because i seems like i need that because this meeting's not going to end till two in the morning <laughs> well helen tran thank you again give your website one more time helen tran for mayor.com helen tran thank you so much good luck this uh this june and uh hopefully 
you know, I, I, I we're probably going to end up with a runoff, which means they'll be voting in November as well. But we're focused on June. And uh, see you then. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Such a great interview with Helen Tran. I've always liked sitting down with people who want to get involved in public life to hear what their motivations are, what their background is, and what they plan to do. I teased this a little bit at the beginning of the show. I'm going to be having a conversation with Erica Christakos. She's written a book or she wrote a book called The Importance of Being Little, and it's about uh, early childhood education and the importance of being little. This interview first aired in 2017 on the On the Brink morning show on KCAA, which ran until 2021 when I stepped back. Here we go. Got a very exciting guest on the line. Erica Gristakis is an early childhood educator and a school consultant. Uh, she was fac- a faculty member at the Yale Child Study Center and is a Massachusetts certified teacher, and that's pre K through second grade, and a licensed preschool director. She has a master's in communications from the Annenberg School at the University of Pennsylvania and a master's in education in early childhood education. Her work in children and families has appeared on numerous outlets, including CNN.com, The Washington Post. The Boston Globe, the Financial Times, the Atlantic, Time.com, and ABC's Nightline. So, Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So, you have written a book called The Importance of Being Little. Tell us about it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I wrote the book because I was noticing a paradox, which is why is it that young kids are so smart and hardwired to learn, and yet they're struggling? They have... um, you know, we're, we're seeing stressed families, we're seeing preschool expulsions at really high rates, we're seeing kids, more and more kids on uh, behavioral medi- medications. So I was trying to figure out what's going on here. And I think the short answer is that we're missing all the learning that's hiding in plain sight. We've sort of lost confidence in childhood and how capable kids are. Now, I know that current research uh, show that uh, shows rather that um, the that neurological development really happens in that first three years that all of those connections that are necessary for for optimal learning and et cetera happens during that window, but very few people know what to what to do during those years right, and I think that there is so much anxiety because we 've all had this message that you know if you don't get that learning in early, you know, you're sunk. And, um, and I think that's the wrong message because actually what we know about learning is that kids learn through social relationships. They learn through loving connections with other people. And so in a way, I think that we're sort of focused on the wrong thing. You know, we're focused so much on what we can give kids, what we can fill their brains up with, you know, whether it's vocabulary lists or special toys or, you know, these kinds of things. And really we would be much better off if we just made the effort to strengthen their relationships so that they can do the learning that their brain is wired to do. So you're really talking about unstructured time. I'm talking about more unstructured time for sure. Um, But I also think, you know, I'm not talking about a free-for-all. I think people sometimes um, caricature that posture. You know, there's a really strong role that the adult can play, whether it's a parent or a teacher, in sort of preparing the environment for the kid to learn. So, you know, just as a small example, um, we know that classrooms nowadays, early childhood classrooms look really, really busy. If you've ever walked into a preschool now, you know, there's stuff everywhere on the walls and all kinds of words. And it's it's actually overstimulating. And we know from research that that affects learning. 
Um, you know, so there's things that we can do as adults. Um, in the way we talk to kids, you know, when we speak in a very directive way rather than an open-ended way, um, you know, that keeps, and by that I mean, you know, if you say to a child, tell me about your drawing, that's a nice open phrase that really invites the child to talk. Um, you know, so there are things that we can do to sort of make the environment more um, learning-friendly. Uh, so I'm not, you know, my message isn't just, you know, ignore your kid, but I do think that we need to let children be children. So you see this in other countries, and, and there have been studies about Denmark being kind of this optimal, you let kids be kids, and it's, uh, there seems to be a lot more freedom in early childhood than we, in Americans, we're, in America, we're, we're very, we tend to be very structured. As they grow up, there's, every night is, is, is accounted for, and, you know, and so is that really the issue with us? Well, I think there are a bunch of things, and it's hard to compare, you know, to these idyllic Scandinavian countries. You know, I was in Finland, which is, you know, it seems like a magical place to be a child, um, and I'm sure they have trouble, too. But, yeah, I think that we've become really disconnected from what it's like to be a child. I think we subject kids to very adults. I call it adultification, you know, these very adult ways of being. So these rapid schedules, lots of transitions, um, you know, lots of talk from the teacher or parent, you know, without much kind of open-ended conversation. And I think if we could give ourselves permission to sort of declutter and destructure, um, the advantage is that it actually is easier on the adults, too, you know, which is sort of the irony that what's good from a scientific point of view for young children for their development is actually, I think, much healthier for families and for teachers, too. Um, So we need to sort of reclaim childhood, and part of that is going to involve... Um, backing off and, and having more confidence in children's learning capacities and uh, instead of sort of focusing on the stuff, you know, the stuff on the walls, the curriculum that the school buys. Um, you know, the learning happens in these social relationships, and when we strengthen those, um, kids really do very well. So, Erica, I'm Tobin. I'm Aaron's uh, co-host. And I'm, I'm also a, a public school teacher. I, I teach at the middle school level. And, and my question Great. to you is, you know, as you're talking about relationship, um, can you differentiate for our listeners what what is the relationship difference between sort of the parent's role versus the teacher's role? Because when you're describing this sort of social relationship, it sounds like you're turning the teacher sort of just into a continuation of what the parent should be doing. And so, what what what's different there? Well, I think, and, and again, I'm you know I'm not talking about middle school, of course. Yeah. I'm talking about early early childhood. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that. I think of a good teacher in an early childhood setting as sort of a coach, you know, someone who is focused not so much on the specific content um, that being taught, you know, because if a three-year-old or a four-year-old learns about, uh, you know, bears or pumpkins, or the content really doesn't matter when you're four. Yeah. Um, but developing the critical thinking skills, the relationship skills, the self-regulation, um, you know, those skills are really important, and those can come from any content. So I think in terms of the difference between a parent and a teacher, I think the teacher has to sort of get away from this idea in early childhood that they are uh, filling the child's brain with some kind of specific content knowledge and instead adopt more of a sort of coaching role where they're helping kids to develop these kinds of um, skills, whether it's social and emotional skills or talking skills, listening skills, those kinds of things. And, you know, honestly, in early childhood, there isn't a huge difference between what parents and teachers do. And that is not to uh, degrade or diminish what the teacher does. 
Um, and, of course, the teacher has, you know, 20 kids in the classroom, which is a really different yeah. task. And I've been a teacher myself, so, you know, you know how hard that is. Yes, so there's a whole, you know, classroom management piece, which teachers do. But to me, I think of it as sort of how do they prepare the environment so that kids can learn? And that's where I think teachers can really focus. You know, how do I set up my classroom so it's a pro-learning classroom? And that's something that teacher prep programs don't do such a good job of. So we are about out of time. We have about 20 seconds left. How can people follow you, find you, and find your book? Well, the book is um, available now in paperback, The Importance of Being Little. Um, I'm at ericachristakis.com, and I'm on Twitter. And I welcome um, any opportunities to connect with parents and teachers. Well, Erica Christakis, thank you so much for joining us today. It's uh, been very insightful. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed uh, interviewing Erica Christakis, and I know I said Christakos before. Forgive me, it's Christakis. And I enjoyed having a conversation with her. Of course, little kids, little ones are a passion of mine, making sure that people have positive, solid relationships with their little ones right from the start. It makes such a huge difference difference in how that child uh, will grow up to experience the world and live their lives and feel about themselves and their how they fit in this world. So I want to let people know that there are some events coming up that should be on your radar. Now, I'm guessing if you're listening to the show, you're probably not somebody who likes to go to raves. So but I do want you to know because it will be there'll be some noise. Uh, Beyond Wonderland is going to be um, out at the Orange Show Friday, March 25th, and Saturday, March 26th. Um, And that is one of those, you know, it's an electronic dance um, concert thing. It's a rave, and which means that there'll be some noise. And if you live in the areas around Valley College or up in Grand Terrace or, you know, the south part of the city of San Bernardino, you're probably going to have, um, probably need to sleep with a fan on that night. So it's Friday, March 25th through Saturday, March 26th. And I know people get frustrated because it is, there is a lot of noise pollution and a lot of traffic and all of that. But our hotel rooms fill up and people eat at our restaurants and it's really good for our local economy. Um, I'm not a fan of the that kind of thing, but I'm not their market anyway. So, you know, as long as everything's being kept under control, <laughs> I'm fine with it. And the police department are out there, you know, the, and it's not something that the city picks up. The um, promoter picks up the cost of hiring police to be able to police the area. And uh, anyway, so it's going to happen this weekend. So in the beginning of the show, I talked about an upcoming virtual job fair for uh, current high school students and those graduated who have graduated from the uh, San Bernardino City Unified School District and others, uh, but focused on SBCUSD. I want to let you all know that the county is having a job fair. This is on March 24th, so we have a couple of days. This will be Thursday. Uh, This is a San Bernardino job fair. Um, You're invited to a healthcare virtual job fair powered by HireX. Um, This is free for all healthcare professionals, and you can get information. This is on Eventbrite and in Google. Honestly, I picked it up there. You can go to happeningnext.com to uh, find out more information. It's being... Uh, led by the county of San Bernardino, and it's from 11 to 2. Again, it's virtual. And uh, how it works, you register for free, you schedule an interview, and um, five days 
prior to the event. So in this window right now, you can uh, view registered companies and available jobs, schedule an interview to save time and skip the line to speak with a recruiter. And then you might be hired on the spot. So uh, why attend? Explore new opportunities at companies around you, whether you're actively looking or just curious by attending this virtual event. Again, it's focused on healthcare jobs. You'll be able to chat directly with hiring managers, get instant feedback on your resume, and possibly get hired on the spot. Now, they don't list the current employers because I'm, I'm not going to go plowing through their site. You can do that. But past companies who've been a part of it are Dignity Health, CVS Health, Cleveland Clinic Laboratories, the Matrix Medical Network, and others. For more information, you can go to happeningnext.com. That's happeningnext.com. So if you grew up in and around San Bernardino, really in San Bernardino or Riverside counties, you've probably heard of the National Orange Show Fair. And this year, they've moved it up. It's going to be happening uh, in person April 20th through April 24th. This is the 105th National Orange Show Fair. And um, they're having a photography contest, a harm, uh, harm, no, home arts contest, and uh, baking contest and citrus displays and all kinds of stuff. You can go to their website, nosevents.com slash national hyphen orange hyphen show hyphen fair. Honestly, just go to nosevents.com and you can find it on their website. This is fun. I mean, bring your family out, enjoy it. Um, I always have a good time at the National Orange Show and man, it's really good to get together with people at an event like that. Again, it's April 20th through April 24th, 2022. Of course, it's in person at the National Orange Show Event Center. That brings us to the end of our show for today. I'm Erin Brinker, and this is the Uplift San Bernardino radio show. We'll see you next week. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. NBC News Radio, I'm Brian Shook. Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown Jackson says various other factors must be considered in. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.